how to start. Well, you know, it's just writing. I mean, here's something important to remember about dialogue. Every word matters. No, it doesn't. They're modern. I want to go to this place that I think it needs to go to. The only thing that counts is what you see on the screen. I will write like four or five, six hours a day. And it will be a voice made of ink and rage. Okay, I'm, re I'm really glad you asked me that question. Welcome to the Creative Principles Podcast. I'm your host, Brock Swinson. Over the past 200-plus episodes, I've had the good fortune of speaking with dozens of screenwriters, actors, and directors, such as Aaron Sorkin, Mel Brooks, Carrie Fukunaga, Whitney Cummings, Michael Imperioli, and William Monaghan, among others. We've dissected ideas on story, character, filmmaking, habits, and various principles for creative life. If this is your first time listening, make sure to hit that subscribe button on iTunes or SoundCloud. You can also find several of these interviews on the Creative Screenwriting Magazine website, in addition to some that aren't available in audio, such as with Nick Kroll or Stephen Merchant. In addition to the podcast, also make sure to search for the new video essay series on YouTube, also called Creative Principles, where we take a deep dive into movies and television. Join millions of viewers for subjects like the 16 personalities expressed as characters, Did Home Alone, Rowan John Hughes' Career, The Greatest Movie Never Made, and How Jackie Chan Creates Perfection Through Failure, among many more. That's Creative Principles on YouTube. Jeff Cronenworth grew up in a family of filmmakers. His grandfather, Edward, worked on The Hunchback of Notre Dame with Lon Chaney. His father, Jordan, was a cinematographer on Blade Runner. After getting accepted into the Union, Cronenworth went to film school at USC and then started working in the industry. These days, he's best known for his work with David Fincher on projects like Fight Club, The Social Network, The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, and Gone Girl. Currently, he's a cinematographer on Amazon's new series, Tales from the Loop. For the latest series, Cronenworth worked on the episode called Loop. According to the description, the townspeople who live above the loop, a machine built to unlock and explore the mysteries of the universe, experience things previously consigned to the realm of science fiction. In this interview, the cinematographer discusses working with Fincher, rules he learned from his father, how he first reads a screenplay, how to get the best of every moment on set, why you should shoot as much as you can early in your career, and why creatives need a full arsenal of looks to showcase their creative work. If you enjoyed this interview, also look for our video essay series on YouTube. Uh, I have a family history of it. Uh, my father uh, was a renowned cinematographer who photographed Blade Runner, the original, and uh, amongst uh, you know a couple dozen other movies, and uh, was nominated for Peggy Sue Got Married, a Francis Coppola movie. His father, my grandfather, uh, won the last Oscar they gave out for portrait photography, which used to be a category since uh, the only way or the only form of publicity they had was the pictures that they took. And unlike today, where they still photographers stand next to my camera when I'm shooting, um, they had big flashes and slow cameras and slow film, and they had to uh, create their own sets, and they would direct the talent, and so there used to be a category for it. So I grew up uh, around it and visited the sets often and fell in love with the idea of the camaraderie and the kind of daily mission going to war to overcome the obstacles that, that uh, present themselves every day while you're making a production. I didn't know exactly what part of it I wanted to be when I was younger, but by the time I got 
I got to the college age, I, I really wanted to be in the camera department and hopefully, you know, one day move my way up to, to eventually become a cinematographer. And so I, I uh, went to start at college uh, and an opportunity came up to get into the IA, the union, which was a very complicated process uh, back in the 80s. And my father uh, recommended that I stop school briefly and go work at this uh, commercial production company that was having a staff loader that was moving on. And then if I took that role, uh, then there's a good chance that I would get into the union. And you couldn't really work in town if you were not a union member. So I did that, uh, got in, went and applied and got into USC film school, went to film school, graduated, and then started working in the industry. Were there lessons from your dad that you still use today, or was there also like an instinct to kind of maybe do a different style uh, than your your family was doing? No, I mean, uh, he he was a unique genius, so uh, if I was able to copy him or come close, I would uh, have a very successful career. But, you know, as geniuses go, that's, you know, I take away from everything I learned from him and then apply it to my own aesthetics and my own challenges because every movie seems to be different and, and present different obstacles to get around. So um, I just learned, uh, you know, we share the same aesthetics. I I watched and, and appreciated what what his philosophy on light was and camera movement and uh, the way he carried himself uh, uh, on set, which uh, is a huge part of being a cinematographer because there's a lot of um, politics that you need to negotiate in order to get your, you know, get the equipment you need, the crews you need, the people all remaining in a positive atmosphere and supportive of the project. So you've worked on a lot of music videos. Are there like a certain set of rules you kind of follow to make that shortened versions of stories really pop and be unique and get the story told in a in a short format like that? I think that because you don't, you're not bound necessarily by uh, storylines or, or interacting stories uh, that are, are complicated, that you can get short stories in, 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 in a very short narrative. Uh, sometimes you just need visuals, and it's all about just beauty and camera. And so um, I think you want, because it's a much shorter medium and, and you have, uh, you know, hopefully – uh, a, a very energetic and exciting performer to watch, then then um, you just need to make sure that you, you know, as in everything you owe, in a, and this kind of is a side, side note, but it's always about supporting the story, whatever that happens to be, so that the walk away by the audience is, is felt the most. So in a music video, in a song, you, you need to know what the song's about and what the artist wants to represent, or the director and the artist together, what they've come up with as a storyline for that song, and then create the visuals that go hand in hand with that. So, you know, when I started shooting music videos, I came into it right when the, it started bursting at the seams and was kind of like the Wild West, and everybody was shooting and trying to outdo the next person or reinvent something that hadn't been done before. So, the, you know, it was wide open to push boundaries and to be very creative. And a lot of the, the, the contemporary filmmakers that uh, are making the most interesting movies now all came out of that, that same era. And so it was a great time to test and reflect and push boundaries and, uh, uh, you know, um, develop uh, your, your styles and hone in your, your creativity. 
I was in LA a couple of years ago and it felt like it was hard to, I mostly did TV and commercial work. It felt like it was hard to go to film work because you didn't want to leave the connections you had made. I see you kind of went from music videos to film and this is your, it, the new role is your first uh, venture into television. What's kind of your experience between balancing those worlds and did you kind of move together? Is that how you met with David Fincher or, or kind of lead us through that story? Well, I I have been very fortunate in that when I started shooting music videos and commercials, um, it was with a, young, a group of young filmmakers that were all coming along together, and so we've kind of all um, stayed not not in touch, but we our careers have been paralleled, and so you know it's the natural evolution uh, if you're fortunate enough to move from one genre to the next and ultimately do features. But one of the things that that this group does, uh, which older groups you know, seem to be more dedicated to one medium or the other, um, is that they bounce back and forth between all three. You know, I've, I've done videos and commercials and features with Fincher. I've done the same with Mark Romanek. Um, and so, uh, and, and most of the, I've done the same with Spike Jones and, and a whole litany of, and Phil Juano and all the guys that, uh, were kind of in that time frame t tended to have a, a, a full arsenal of, of uh, mediums to shoot in. And so it became less um, uh, regulated to a particular thing. And I, I know that it doesn't work for everybody, and some people only do features and some people only do commercials, but I've been uh, very fortunate to be able to bounce back and forth. And it's le it's given me the opportunity or the, the advantage of, of being selective about what projects, long-form projects I do, because I, mean, I have other uh, avenues to offset those those choices. But more specifically, to talk about uh, my relationship with Fincher, like the first time that I actually got to shoot with him was a, a project, that, a music video that my father photographed called Oh Father. Uh, it was Madonna's uh, last <clears throat> video on that album. And we met on that. And ironically, uh, a couple of days after we completed shooting, he gave me a call and told me to meet him at Panavision. We needed to shoot a couple of inserts. And then he asked, you know, the closing line was, bring your light meters. And I was like, why would I do that? Like, you know, I'm a camera assistant at this point. But I went and we photographed, I lit it and photographed it. And uh, they made it into the music video. And so that was kind of the initiation of our relationship. And then we went on to do, a few more videos and commercials with David, and then we started Alien 3, my father and I, uh, and uh, uh, years after my, my dad retired, um, Fincher had called me to shoot second unit on on 7, on the game, and to uh, operate on, on different uh, projects, and then so... When Fight, Fight Club came along, I assumed it was to shoot second unit, but you know, lo and behold, he asked me to read it and see if I wanted to photograph it, and that's where that came from. What What was it about that? I mean, it, it sounds like you're kind of looking in hindsight, and it was was he um, looking for certain things in you? Was it just your style merged well? What do you think it was, kind of looking back at how that connection was so great for both of you? Well, I I know uh, you know David is always one to. Uh, look for new talent and gives people lots of uh, opportunities and breaks in in their careers. And so, I had done well for him on the previous projects that we'd worked together, and we shared the same aesthetics and the same kind of dedication. And 
uh, I think that um, he was excited about the prospect. And then, you know, once we started uh, working together, it, it, we we shared so many uh, philosophies and aesthetics and uh, love of different films uh, and, and filmmakers that it, it and 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 we became great friends and great collaborators. Would you say there's a difference in kind of what you do with David versus what you do uh, with other directors? Do you purposely leave anything behind, or do you kind of have your own style that just happens to be associated with with Fincher? I think it's it's when we're together, we do a certain thing. I mean, uh, I would argue that there's subtleties in there. You know, you you could make all of our movies we've done together and you could probably take all of my movies or all of Fincher's movies and find common threads to them, but the approaches to them are all different and the nuances are very subjective and dictated by that particular story or what we want to accomplish and what the walk away for an audience member is. So, um, I think that, uh, each each relationship with the director is is a different kind of situation because you have to ex- extrapolate what what their best contributions are going to be and they do the same to you and together you work out what that relationship is going to be and what 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 visual languages you guys are going to uh, try to accomplish for that particular project. So I think when David and I work, it's it's a different it's certainly a different situation than a mini directors. I mean, David is a really amazing tactician and, and, and preps, uh, you know, immaculately prior to the shoot, he comes from the Hitchcock school in that you do most of the making of the movie and the prep and you eliminate as many of the, uh, problems and obstacles and give yourself the best chance of, of, of making your days to, and, and the best performances, by getting all that stuff out of the way in the prep. So he's very meticulous about the prep. And uh, and then he has a very clean um, idea of how how he wants that particular show to, to look, to be photographed, to lens, camera movement, and tempo, and pace. And so, it, you know, in that, then you have to find what it is that, that you're that you can bring to it, how you're going to light it, what what camera movements you can uh, uh, approach, and then and then it's always you know as structured as that is, it's always open to whatever idea is best or whatever at the moment is the is a solution to something, and if it's better, then then that's what we we do. So you you have to you can't get um, uh, too comfortable. You have to stay pushing and in that together by pushing each other, we seem to, you know, it seems to be a formula that works really well. So from your perspective, what's kind of the first thing you do when you, when you receive a script, where do you start and how do you kind of start to make notes and, and do your plans and everything? Well, for me, you know, it's a, the, the, I, I am introduced to a particular script and I do a little check on what the, who, who, who's involved in it. Obviously most important, the director, and then who's the, who's producing it and what's the cast look like at this point and any other players that I might be familiar with. And then I read the script in as much as I, in as much as a cinematographer can read it without trying to uh, pollute it with all the obstacles and visuals and ideas, you try to get through it and just take in as much of that story as you can and, and, and know it. And then I'll go back and read it again to think about how, 
how these shots can be better, what does it mean, how can it be interpreted, and then you really won't get a full sense of it. And the reason I try to stay open-minded to all the, you know, what my contributions will eventually be is because you you need to get into the head of the director to find out exactly what his perspective on that is and what it means, and then what you can add to that and bring to it and enlighten it and make it better. And then so uh, it's an interesting process, you know, the first, the first initial meeting and then follow up meetings where things evolve. And then you, you kind of, you know, find that language. And then even it, it, you know, it changes as you get through production and as you watch sets come together or help create, sets and we watch wardrobe and you see the cast and you start scouting and you see locations and you think you know you find out what schedules and budgets and how elaborate you can be and you know the last the last bit of creativity is what actually evolves on the set you know you can have the best laid plans but if an actor does something and it's more inspiring or it touches your heart more because he's on this side of the room or at this window or he does this action then you you have to be in a place where you can actually go with that and get the best at the moment and so all those things kind of play into it as you go along so what kind of led you to this latest story? I know that you um, you didn't work with Fincher on some of the TV he's done, mainly because of scheduling, but I'm sure you've had plenty of offers. So what kind of led you to Tales from the Loop? David's thing was he wanted to keep his core group uh, available for features in between the, the shows, and those shows run a long time, and he traditionally only directed one or two of those episodes and then EP'd the rest, so he wanted all of us to be around uh, to do a picture in between and not locked in, committed to something that was nine months long. Um, I just was waiting for the right one, you know? I mean, it was such an, it's such an evolving, uh, growing kind of uh, reinvention of... of the quality of, of, of the program that you can watch on TV now, um, that it's terribly exciting and the opportunities are getting better and the talent that's involved now has just kind of evolved and comes from everywhere uh, and not from traditional TV backgrounds. So that was very exciting and I just was waiting for the right project to come along. And, uh, you know, I have a hist- uh, long history with Mark Romantic, uh, going back to commercials, music videos, and one-hour photo, and then several films that came up and went away that we kind of went through all the stages with. Uh, unfortunately, you know, they, in the end, uh, we didn't make those films. But um, when he embraced me and reached out, I was, like, fantastic and read the script. And uh, Nathaniel Halperin has written such a beautiful uh, series that uh, between him and Mark and the idea of what we were going to do, it was terribly exciting and I didn't want to miss that opportunity. Do you have any advice, if, if you were kind of to start today with without some of these connections, where would you go first? I guess if you were, if you just got out of film school, something like that, what would the first thing you would try to do? Well, you know, there's there's lots of approaches to it, none, none being better than the other. Um, I think one thing would be to start shooting as much as you can, uh, not necessarily making a, a living at it, but getting out there shooting, you know, whenever possible. If someone has a, a PSAs or 
they have uh, commercials but don't have budgets or they have you know pet project ideas or film schools that need somebody or anything like that you want to get your hands on a camera and you want to start getting in it and getting immersed into that process and then every every time you shoot something mistakes or not you're going to walk away with a lot of knowledge and it adds to your resume and you can start discovering things and discovering you and your taste and what you what you need to learn and what you, you already know and dealing with people in that capacity at the same time if you can find yourself in a in a an assisting you know, camera operating other any other kind of uh place that gets you on a set where you can watch it on a on a larger scale by people that have been experienced people that have been doing it for a long time i think that's a wealth of knowledge because you not only do you learn aesthetics and and and, and techniques but you you learn uh, the politics, you learn etiquette on the set, you learn um, a whole lot that that uh, you may not get uh, if you went only one way or the other. And I say that because, you know, my I, I had two contemporaries that went to film school with me at USC, John Schwartzman and Robert Brinkman, both who right out of school went into uh, shooting industrials and, and uh, some low-budget films and and uh, music videos hadn't taken off yet, and uh, the commercials were <clears throat> were um, you know very down and dirty. I went and started working as a, in, a, in kind of the tradesman's kind of lat route and started as a ca- second assistant and a first assistant and a camera operator, and then eventually started shooting. And I did that on the biggest projects in Hollywood, and we both uh, oddly arrived at shooting, you know, big Hollywood pictures around the same time. I think they got there a little sooner than me, but in the end, you know, we were all shooting pictures. And so to to say one is better than the other, it depends on the individual. For me, I needed to be immersed in it. I needed to grow up a little bit. I needed to watch other people solve those dilemmas and problems and, and, and watch how they do it. Other people would rather just make all those mistakes themselves and, and then kind of float out of that. So I don't think there's a right way, but I think you need to be shooting. I think you need to be practicing the craft, and I need to think you need to be taken in as much as you can from people that have experience and watch as much film as you can. Are there any um, maybe rules or beliefs you had early in your career that have kind of changed over time, like with your style or anything about the process? I think I was pretty regimented in what I had to do before that I was less uh, less open to uh, um, being more fluid and kind of I, I always thought you had to have a perfect plan and you had to execute it a certain way and the more you know, older I got and the more flexible and the things that change and, and concepts change and styles change um, there's so many ways of, of making beautiful images and they're not just you know strikingly dark uh, half lit something something that that there's there's just so much beauty in, and each story will tell you what it wants to be or you hopefully if you if you apply yourself correctly you'll discover what that is and to be more flexible i think is is a great thing cause especially in today's markets where you know budgets are changing schedules are 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 faster 
the the advent you know of HD and high def and digital photography in some ways has taken the mystique off of what the photochemical process used to be, and you find yourself pushed into things uh, with expectations that are are grander, like more shots, less time, less equipment, and so it's an adapting thing as as the tech as the equipment changes, as as the industry changes, you have to be much more flexible and kind of pick something that you can, you know, apply to that particular project. Don't go out and try to make the Godfather on your first two-week film. Look at that film and, and decide what aesthetic can you get away with in the amount of time that you have and and paint broader strokes instead of, you know, minutia. And you have a much better chance of success and succeeding and still are able to find like a signature look within that. I think you probably already answered this to some degree. Any other advice on longevity in the film business? I, I think it's great to be known to have a certain particular uh, look or style that, that people are familiar with, but I think that you would be cheating yourself and everybody else if you didn't have an arsenal of different techniques uh, and disciplines and that you should be able to know how to and 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 shoot everything or you really limit your possibilities. You know, I've had, you know, I, there was a run where I was maybe three or four years where I did mostly fashion commercials and high fashion uh, shoots. And one time I, I had shot eyeliner and I had shot dresses and I had shot uh, hair products and I had shot eyeliner and uh, a lipstick commercial came along and uh, they loved my work, they loved the films, but I didn't have a particular lipstick spot on my reel, so it was hard for them to accept that I could do it. And I simply asked the question, you know, do you think that any of those other, you know, Cindy Crawfords or uh, Helena Christensen or Christy Turlington or all the other women that you said the spots looked great, were, did they have lips? Did you like the way their lips look? Do you think that it's possible that I can also shoot the lips that were attached to those other people? And so my point being, as derogatory as that sounds, is it, it's good to have a variety of, of things because some people need to actually see exactly what it is uh, that they have in their mind in order to believe that you have the capacity to accomplish that. And so I think you can own, own a look, but I think you have to have a whole toolbox full of, of looks. And that is our show. Thanks again for tuning in. If it's your first time, make sure to hit that subscribe button on SoundCloud or iTunes. Also check out the new video essay series on YouTube called Creative Principles. And give us a review. That's one of the best ways to help share these interviews. Thanks again.